Welcome back to our study of 2 Kings. We are in 2 Kings chapter 4 today. And we know that in the Old Testament we find specific prophecies about Jesus. For example, the town that Jesus will be born in was prophesied in Micah. And Isaiah has a prophecy about the birth of Jesus and about the death of Jesus. And so we know there are specific prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament, but there are also people in the Old Testament whose lives and actions point forward to Christ and to what Jesus would do, what his life would be like. So, for example, Joseph in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, uh, Moses, David, all these men, their lives, their roles in one way or another point forward to what Jesus would accomplish, what, what Jesus would do. And another one of those figures is Elisha. And we have been introduced to Elisha here in uh, 2 Kings. He was actually introduced in 1 Kings, but we've been getting to see a little bit more of Elisha here in 2 Kings. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, what we're going to see are some stories about Elisha's ministry that sound a whole lot like things that Jesus did, stories about Jesus that we read in the gospel accounts. And so uh, we want to notice those connections between Elisha and Jesus and notice uh, a few things about them. One, we want to notice that uh, Elisha is a prophet of God and that means what Elisha does in these stories is done by the work of God, ultimately. Elisha doesn't have supernatural power of his own that he can do just whatever he will with. Um, he's, he's not uh, a superhero, right? He is a prophet. And so what he is doing, not only what he's saying, but what he's doing in these stories is revealing something to us uh, about God, right? Because it is ultimately God who is working through him. So that's the first two things. He's, God's working through Elisha, and therefore Elisha is revealing something to us about the heart of God, about the character of God through these actions. And the third thing connects us to Jesus, and that is when Jesus comes and does similar things to what Elisha is doing here, Eli uh, Jesus is not merely a prophet through whom God is working and revealing his heart. God, uh, Jesus is God himself in the flesh, showing us what he is like, revealing his heart through his very own actions, right? As his own son, as God the Son um, ministers to people and performs miracles and so on. And so uh, let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4 and see if these stories sound familiar and think about how they... Uh, teach us about God, what they, what they teach us about God, and also how they point forward to Christ. So 2 Kings chapter 4, it's a pretty long chapter, so we'll try to move pretty quickly. Verse 1, Now when the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. 
So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. So let's stop there. That's the first story. And what happens here is Elisha helps a widow in distress, right? Her husband uh, was one of the prophets, right? One of the sons of the prophets, and uh, he has passed away, and evidently their family had some debts, and so now uh, this woman is in distress, because um, the creditor wants to take her children away. And uh, so Elisha performs a miracle. And again, that means God is working through Elisha to perform this miracle. Um, And the oil she has is multiplied. So she's able to sell it off and pay off her debts and also uh, provide for herself and her kids. And so this reveals God's heart, God's concern for widows who are in distress. We saw Elisha, excuse me, Elijah do the same kind of thing back in 1 Kings chapter 17. And this speaks to, again, what God <clears throat> says about widows and orphans, what his heart is for them and what he wants our heart to be for them. For example, James 1.27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In Exodus 22:22, God tells his people, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. And in Deuteronomy 10, 17 and 18, it says, the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribes, assuming no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So Elijah, to me, Elisha uh, cares for this widow who's in distress because God cares for widows in distress. And through Elisha, God provides for her. The second story starts in verse 8. It says, on, uh, to me, one day Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there, and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shudamite. And when he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Say now to her, See, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway, and he said, At this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. So here we see Elisha promising a barren woman that she would have a son. This is something else that God does repeatedly throughout the Old Testament, and even into the New. Right? Remember Sarah, Abraham's wife, who was barren. 
but whom God promised a son. Uh, Rebecca was barren, but was given a son. Rachel was barren, but was given a son. Hannah, at the beginning of 1 Samuel, right, was barren, but was given a son. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth right, were old, advanced in years, and yet God gave a son to them in their old age, um, who we know as John the Baptist. So this is something God does throughout the scripture. This woman was, um, didn't ask even for a, a son. She, when Elijah, Elisha asked what could be done for her, she didn't name anything. Um, and she didn't want to be deceived, right? She didn't want to be promised something like this that was probably very near to her heart. Um, and uh, she didn't want Elisha to say it was gonna happen then it not happened, but it did happen. Um, God gave this woman a child. And then here's what happens next. And this part is quite a bit longer, but it's a very significant story. It says, when the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. Then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God out at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there is the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, all is well. And when she came to the mountain of, to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone for she is in bitter distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sign, assuming no sound or sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him, the child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Now, obviously there's a lot to that story, but we, what we want to focus on is that this child that this woman didn't ask for, but that God gave to her uh, in response to how she had treated Elisha, his prophet, 
right? This child died, this woman was grieved, and so she came to Elisha, and Elisha came, and the child was restored to life, right? He was raised from the dead. Uh, this is something we see uh, happen in Jesus's ministry. There's a, a widow who loses her son, and Jesus raises him from the dead. You read that story in Luke chapter 7, right? So, um, this is a significant event. This kind of thing does not happen very often in the Old Testament, right? Um, that someone be raised from the dead like this. Um, but God does this mighty, powerful work through Elisha. And again, that's pointing forward to Jesus, who would do the same thing, not just on one occasion, but he also raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised uh, a little girl. Um, and ultimately, he himself right, was raised from the dead never to die again, unlike all these other examples. So uh, the, these are all pointing forward to Jesus. And then verse uh, 38 tells us another story. Right? It says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal when there was a famine in the land. And as the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, he said to his servant, Set on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it his lap full of wild gourds and came and cut them up into the pot of stew, not knowing what they were. And they poured out some for the men to eat. But while they were eating of the stew, they cried out, Oh, man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. He said, Then bring flour. And he threw it into the pot and said, Pour some out for the men that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. So there, Elisha is able to um, heal this stew, basically, right? Um, and restore it, make it right where it's edible again. It's another miracle. And then one more, uh, here at the end, verse 42 says, A man came from Baal Shalashah, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, Give to the men that they may eat. But his servant said, How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. So this reminds us, right, of the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 that Jesus did in the Gospels, where they just had a few loaves of bread and perhaps some fish, uh, depending on the, the story maybe. And um, they're multiplied, right? So that everybody has plenty. Same thing here. Elisha has brought, brought some food, but not near enough for a hundred men. Uh, but God multiplies it and they have an abundance, right? They have plenty. And so that too, right, points forward to what Jesus would be able to do because he is God in the flesh. Elisha is doing it because God is working through him as a prophet. Jesus, of course, was a prophet, but he was more than a prophet, right? He was God himself. For example, when Jesus raises the widow's son in Luke 7 that I told you about, when that happened, um, it says, fear seized them all. This is the, the people who, I guess, were around at the time. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. So they recognize Jesus as at least a great prophet, but the Bible tells us, of course, and Jesus himself tells us he's more than a prophet. Right? He is the Messiah, he's the promised one, the Savior, and he is God himself. He is the I Am. And it, when we 
notice the connection between miracles that uh, God did through Elijah and through Elisha and then the miracles that Jesus himself did. You might think, well, what's the difference? Aren't, aren't they all just prophets? Isn't Jesus just another one like them? One of the things that stands out as a difference that people noticed during Jesus' ministry is this. In John 7, 31, it says, when the Christ appears, when the promised one, when the anointed one, the Messiah appears, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? They ask about Jesus. Not only the kinds of signs that he was able to do, but the sheer number of signs that he was able to do uh, were unique, evidently, right? Beyond what the prophets had done themselves. But not only that, the prophets, when they spoke, they said, you know, thus says the Lord, like we saw Elisha do. But Jesus said, this is what I say, right? And this is who I am. I am the I am, right? I, before Abraham was, I am, he says in John 8. So the prophets point forward to Jesus. They give us hints of the kinds of things that Jesus will do. They reveal some of the heart of God for the for the, the widow, right, and the fatherless. And they prepare us for the coming of Jesus who would do more than anybody else had done uh, because he is greater than anyone else because he is God himself in the flesh. God bless.